First time lord, I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first timer watching Doctor Who entirely for the first time ever, getting to know this amazing storyline, getting to know these amazing characters, and getting so emotionally attached that I could not wait to get to this week to talk about this episode, which is The Sound of Drums, Season 3, Episode 12. Yeah, let's talk about the master. And uh, you know I asked Eric Sweetman to join me because the words to be continued flashed across the screen last episode. And so I needed him back to continue to hold my hand and guide me through what the heck is the master. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Keep your applause at minimum. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody come down, everybody. Yes, thank you. That was a great welcome. (laughs) But we need to talk about the master because holy wow. (laughs) Uh, I mean, fresh out. I know in last week's podcast I mentioned uh, I ventured a guest. I took an educated guest based on everything that I know uh, or have come to expect from Doctor Who. And I said... Are they are they going to skip through time using the little thing that Captain Jack had? And the moment they appeared on modern, I was like, I did it! I got it right! I, I mean, uh, you all yeah, but hinted okay. it, but it was so satisfying to actually see that happen. <laughs> and then the little flashback with the doctor's like, well, you know, I fixed it. Like, you couldn't have done it, but I fixed your broken device. Uh, so that was so fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like... One of those old old style serials, the uh, you know, like a Republic serial, where they um, are, you know, see a stagecoach going off a cliff, and then oh, how are they going to get out of this one? And then the next week you come in and you see that uh, how they did it. This is kind of the same way. It's like oh my goodness, right. how are they going to possibly be? The TARDIS is gone. There's trapped out in a gazillion years in the future. What's going to happen? Oh. Captain Jack. <laughs> Captain, the man who can't die comes through in a clutch and helps the doctor get back to uh, the time that Martha mm-hmm. lives in. Uh, we established that somewhere around the 2007 uh, is yeah, what the doctor Yeah, I think said. so. It's like when the episode was aired, it was contemporary time. It was that. Yeah. So this has sure, been sure, a while sure, sure. back. But yeah, somewhere around then. And, uh, of course, uh, we, we've been hinted at this whole season, uh, and I was uh, encouraged to follow the thread of Mr. Saxon, Mr. Saxon this, Mr. Saxon that. He appeared in all these different things. He appeared e- even earlier in, the, you know, a previous season in, in series two. So, you know, Saxon has been sort of around, and I audibly yelled at the screen when all of a sudden we see him and we go the master is saxon <laughs> yep yep why because the disguise of having completely different face here and there really does work you won't recognize him if he doesn't look the way he did before <laughs> right and i mean like the the fact that that means that he when when he borrowed the the TARDIS, when he takes the TARDIS, he has been in that timeline that the doctor and Martha kind of skipped around and jumped in and out of for a yeah. very long time. Or at least long enough um I believe uh, there, there's that woman that starts interviewing his wife that says something along the lines of uh, 12 months ago. Yeah, 12 ago. to 18 months earlier. Uh, but that's the thing. Like he's able to create on paper the uh, an entire history, you know, not just the current stuff, but it's like, oh, well, this stuff happened, this stuff happened. And it's all there on paper, but it wasn't real because he's smart enough to put it down on paper to, to create this backstory, but he had been there for the last 12 to 18 months, actually in time for them. And that's the only place he could go because uh, the doctor had 
fix the TARDIS so that it would only go to two locations, either where they were a gazillion years in the future or where they were back then in 2007 or so. Mm-hmm. Which was basically, he said it was the, the, the last time mm-hmm. they were there. Yeah. Uh, insinuating that that was the last time. So in my head, uh, being the analytical nerd that I want to be, I'm thinking um, maybe when they stopped on the uh, riff that mm-hmm. is over Cardiff, he um, he may have jumped a little bit further back in time, which is why the the master was able to return to a time that was a little earlier than the doctor had imagined. Cause we've established that the doctor, uh, is not particularly good at, uh, narrowing it to within a couple of, uh, seconds. It tends to be, you know, he misses sometimes by a well, whole year. Yeah, the man's over 900 years old things that little bits of time right. tend, tend to get out of hand. And I'm not sure it's really his fault as much because the TARDIS tends to do her, her own thing. I mean, she, yeah. Her, yeah. We, uh, I believe it was Jenny that said to me, um, the TARDIS has a mind of its own and sometimes takes the doctor where the doctor is most needed, not where right, he wants Right, because he'd rather vacation on some uh, tropical uh, pleasure planet just to chill out sure. rather than always have, like, oh, great, now I have to run again. <laughs> There's a lot of running in the doctor's life. A lot <laughs> There's of running. a lot of running. And, I mean, he's told to run in this episode run, multiple doctor. times. Um, but... So going back to uh, basically, uh, dear listener, uh, normally we try to warn you uh, this time I jumped right in. But if you haven't seen the episode, uh, go watch the episode. I'm about to ask a bunch of questions that are really going to spoil the plot of this episode and what transpires. So you know who the master is if you watched last week's episode. Uh, but if you haven't watched the sound of thunder sound now of drums. is a great time or summary sorry the sound of drums uh now is a great time to pause the podcast go watch the show and come back and if you find an episode um, called the that, sound of thunder let us know because you can put that in the comments sure, or something yeah. i mean <laughs> i think there was a movie with that title but um i so jumping back to mm-hmm. the master um immediately when the doctor sees him on television uh you know he he recognizes him. He calls him out for what he is. And then he goes, the master and his mm-hmm. wife. And so he seems to have this wife. Is that the master's, you know, we know that the doctor seems to always choose to have a companion with him. Is the master the no. same? And is, is no. his wife the, the companion he chose? Um, no, not really. Because uh, the, the master, as I recall... From the old episodes back in the seventies and whatnot, I don't remember. I don't remember him actually having a companion. Like that was one of the things that separated him from the Doctor's personality. You know, um, he is such a megalomaniac and a um, you know insane, evil, crazy person that uh, why would he bother having somebody around unless it was to order around you know with as the professor he did have his uh, bug assistant um as in this case he does have his his wife but this is not a marriage of deep and passionate love this is somebody who has been manipulated and um like you know it's she has issues she has a lot of issues and he has exploited them to become <laughs> um to really just destroy her sense of self and what she wants out of life you know there she may be a wealthy person you know as i recall there's you know there's some stuff about her having um uh, being born of a uh, privileged position but it's like mm-hmm. it's, he's just using her for his needs and that's it well, because he does seem, uh, I actually wrote this note down, uh, he seems very affectionate with her. Yeah. Like, we see, you know, when when, when he first uh, is introduced and the doctor recognizes mm-hmm. him, he's making out with his wife on uh, national television. Right. Well, think of that uh, you know, compared to... There's that moment where... Yeah. Think of that compared to how the doctor has been extremely chaste when it came to Rose. 
You know, like there is that sense mm. of, um, well, I, you know, this can't happen or this is not an appropriate thing or whatever else. He's got, the doctor has his sense of standards and uh, what's appropriate conduct to have with his companions. So this kind of is a way of the uh, the master saying, well, all of your little prudeness, I don't care about. You're you're an idiot. I'm going to enjoy life the way I want to enjoy it. So that's not uh, again, mm. it's still it's his selfishness and his sense of control, not her being an equal partner. But it's like, oh, oh, really, doctor? Well, check this out. <laughs> So it's just another way of showing the yes. disparities between, between the two characters, the one time lord that we know and this new time lord that you don't me, know, yeah, um, that is <laughs> that I don't know, and so I'm being introduced to. Um, I I, <laughs> I do have to acknowledge the fact, you know, uh, we see Martha's sister working for the master in some capacity and she even asks like what 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 is it that i do for you exactly uh but she seems to have like the worst taste in jobs or bosses yeah, yeah. but if the money is there <laughs> you know who knows it could have been very much a yeah we're going to pay you a lot of money and whether she ever gets that money or not who knows because it's still the control is you're here you are you know the doctor's companions sister so i can control you that puts uh that puts martha in this horrible position you know she's going to want to protect you but she's also trying to avoid being stuck in the trap so yeah there's a lot of issues that he's got with this it's like it's a great manipulation thing and once he's got uh, Tish, then he can also like, oh, I can get the parents too. I can get the brother. I can get the whole family. She's going to do whatever the heck I want because I've got control of everybody she loves. Mm, yeah, uh, that that was a mm. little rough. Like clearly, as as zany as he appears to be, because there are moments in this uh, episode where he comes off almost mm -hmm. cartoonish. Uh, you know, he, he walks into the, whatever the conference room is uh, Downing. at uh, uh, Downing and he throws the papers up and like, let's govern, uh, you know, and it's cool to see that room because we saw it, pre it previously with the ninth the doctor Slavine. when he was fighting yeah. off the Slovene. Uh, so it was kind of neat to see that room again. And th there is mention of how it's rebuilt and whatnot, but uh, you know, he he appears very cartoony there. He has that other moment where uh, almost uh, like Jack Nicholson Joker-esque when he like puts mm -hmm. on the gas mask. And they're like, what are you doing? Uh, I'm putting on a mask. Uh, I understand, but why? Because mm -hmm. the, the gas. What gas? <laughs> oh, that gas. <laughs> you know. Uh, and then the, there's the scene where the, the, the reporter is getting mutilated by the little happy fun <laughs> balls that are flying around everywhere. Uh, the toclophane, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the toclophane, right. It, it, they, they were, of course, if, uh, dear listener, uh, you know what I'm about to say if you've been listening to the podcast from the beginning, but they immediately reminded me of the... Um, Invest or interrogation <laughs> droid from Star Wars. So it's all true. They're <laughs> and, all interconnected. Uh, these wonderful sci-fi worlds. It is, uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they they look very much like that. You know, they don't have the weird spikes that come out of the bottom. Yeah, but it's you a know, different model. They they have like those. <laughs> yeah, like it's maybe it's the upgrade. Um, so it it was very fun. But like he again has that sort of comedic moment where he's like opening the door and she's still screaming and he closes the door and he still opens screaming. it again and she's sort still of a, screaming. Um Ace Ventura uh, kind of moment than that. <laughs> oh absolutely. <laughs> but at the same time, as comedically cartoony as he comes off to be, uh, uh you know, like Dexter Lee, uh what was the guy's name from the Hanna Barbera? Well, uh, cartoons. The, you know, which which guy? There's a lot of guys in there. Are you thinking Dexter's the, Lab? The the, or, the, the, the no. villain. No, no, the the villain from like all the, the who had mutton. Uh, yeah, 
There you go. That's the that like that's the way he comes off. It's you know very yeah, like very like mustache twirly, like humorous. But at the same time, then he has those moments where he's like, "Oh, I've been laying this trap for you for a very long time," and you know we know from previous episodes that Martha's mom has been in contact with somebody from within the Saxon uh, clan or or organization, you know. Uh, organization there you go so clearly he has been embedded uh and he was laying out all these little things that would ultimately uh be a part of his very much you know his trap against the doctor and all those that he holds dear which in this case it's martha and honestly for the first time martha gets to experience what rose felt uh, almost immediately, which is, oh, no, my family is in danger. You know, she had a little bit of that uh, in the Lazarus uh, episode, but they, you know, she was able to get them out of the building very quickly. It was only her and her sister kind of having this uh, sisterly moment, but the rest of her family, it always felt like they just kind of got caught in the crosshairs, but easily and quickly moved. Whereas here, Clearly, there were pawns being used, you know, in a game against her. Uh, and so it, it was weird. It was kind of hard to see that because uh, Martha very quickly, you know, became less about the adventure and less about I believe in the doctor and I, and I want to help to somebody that was clearly very concerned for her family and continued to show that concern mm-hmm. throughout the episode. There's... The moment where she uh, is chatting with Jack and she asks a question and Jack answers it. And then she's like, no, I meant my family, you jackass. <laughs> you know, uh, so clearly like uh, it, it was, you know, she she has a cataclysmic change in her behavior in from last episode to this where she goes from I will go anywhere the doctor goes to. I will go anywhere I need to to help save right. my family. Yeah, like, you know, really, like, what happened is this sudden maturity because the consequences, the, the stakes are much higher now. They, like, having this happen, it, it doesn't feel like there's some way of getting out of it. So she's got to focus and become serious. It's no longer a lark to go tripping through time and space. You've got there's people who are counting on you that's that's the kind of difference that it has and you know with the uh, with the master coming in here like their moment that they that he left the future in the tardis till the time that the doctor and uh, jack and martha got back in time he's had all that time because they uh-huh. shared that moment and that was the same moment for both of them but when they when the uh, master goes all the way back he's had that entire time to be able to build up this plot. He's taking it slow. He's taking it methodically because, hey, he's got the time. He knows that they won't know what's going on for another several months. Like he's figured out that there's going to be time that he can put all this stuff into effect because otherwise they, you know, he might have been stopped already because, you know, the. Yeah, he knows he has at least 18 give or, give or months take, or yeah. so. And so it's exciting yeah. to see how his mind works in this way because, you know, you mentioned Jack Nicholson as the Joker, and really this is that kind of madness, that criminal uh, sense of anarchy. And, um, you know, I, I remember some of the older episodes where the doctor just comes off as villainous. You know, he was classic villain with the, uh, the slick back hair and the, uh, with the silver sideburn or, you know, because he was looking mature mm-hmm. and the goatee he always had the goatee for all this time. And it's like, he's, he's the evil character has always had the goatee. That worked out perfectly well. His character <laughs> was, you know, he looked like he was evil and he played like he was evil. And even the, uh, um, interaction that he would have with the doctor back then you still knew doctor good um master bad now in mm-hmm. this case you know we're still there's no question that the uh um the doctor is good and the master is evil but 
there is question about the mental stability of it. You know, the joy of being evil is evident here instead of just like I have my plans and I, you know, I know that I'm the right person to be able to control the universe or whatever else his stakes are. In this case, it's like, yeah, I'm just having fun. You know, this is a good time. I want to achieve my things. I want to make sure that I make the doctor aware that I am better than he is, but I'm going to have a good time doing it too. Well, and uh, speaking of uh, his plan, uh, there's a moment where he is talking to his wife and uh, they're, you know, basically discussing and he says, tomorrow morning, that's when Mm -hmm. it all ends. Is he trying to end the universe as we know it? Is he trying to end Earth? Is he trying to end the Doctor? Well, let's see here. <laughs> are we heading yeah, into I'm spoiler to territory? Where exactly, can... the uh, this episode ended before the next one starts. Yeah, you know, that last brilliant episode for the season. And I don't want to run right into it. Um, it, this episode ends with the hundred-year-old mm-hmm. doctor uh, facing down as the uh, troclophane. Yeah. Tro- uh, uh, I almost wrote down tryptophan yeah, because that's yeah, what I heard the first time. Um, like, so right, so you don't know bad. what the um, the toclophane are right you have you you just see them as what they no. appear to be but you don't know what they are yet so that's they they're the happy fun ball that looks right, like right. a star so wars there's a, uh, portrait device. that's that's important and what they are what they will be revealed to be is also very important so um at the moment you know his plan is to really just destroy everything and i honestly can't say if it's a uh um a plan for murdering and clearing out everything from the universe or if it's to control everything that's in the universe um i don't remember but uh um so in some way shape or form the entirety of his plan will come to some sort of apex yes and it will involve a whole lot of death um, well, we, we do get a little bit of inkling on what that will be. Uh, but before mm. we jump to that, uh, when he is uh, making that proclamation on television about, you know, making contact with the, the uh, we see his wife cross mm-hmm. her fingers as if he's lying or is, is it? I, I didn't okay. understand that moment. Is there significance well, to that? Because moment? he was lying. You know, so him the like her crossing the fingers gives you a sense of her mental state um it is a juvenile thing saying that if you cross your fingers when you lie it's okay you know your hands are behind your back and they can't see you crossing your fingers so they don't know that you're lying it's i don't know where that uh that idea comes from it's probably uh, i could probably google it or something but uh it's a uh, you you see it in cartoons for crying out loud, where the people the the character will cross their fingers behind their back. Um, oh sure sure sure, but they they tend to kind of hide it. I mean she's off camera, but she's very over. And and the the show itself, uh, whoever mm-hmm. directed this episode, makes it abundantly clear that this is an important moment because they center the camera right. on her. And, you know, it is clear that we are meant to see this. He's saying that Uh, things are going to be wonderful and these aliens, you know, this first contact and all that stuff, this is great. And, you know, she knows he's lying. He knows he's lying. She's just like, oh, it makes it better because my fingers are crossed. That way you can't hold it against me. It's It's an easy out. So, you know, it's a little heavy handed here. But again, I feel like it uh, captures her emotional state where she is not behaving as a mature woman um she's kind of being childish here and i don't know i think it's part of the mm-hmm. uh, the madness that she's got that has been exemplified or amplified by the doctor or the master mm. uh i did 
<laughs> there's often uh, uh, an, an issue I have with certain movies and certain TV shows where they withhold information that is important for us to know um, until it's too late, until we either lost interest or the reason that that information was important is no longer as important. Um, and while I never felt that with the doctor, there's a lot of history that is clearly there that if you are a fan and you watch the original series in the 60s and 70s, then you would know. Um, but very, we, we have received very little information about who the doctor the is, how he came to be. Uh, and in this episode, we get a metric ton of like historical information about who he is, uh, which I, I find interesting um, because clearly they are, you know, setting it up as they, the doctor and the master are one and the same mm -hmm. race, but the doctor and the master are also polar opposites mm -hmm. from each other. Uh, and, but at the same time, it was great I, I, for me being new to this fandom to have the doctor describe Gallifrey and what it stood for and what it was. It, it felt like a moment out of the Lord hmm. of the Rings where, you know, in that movie they take, you know, 45 minutes to describe what the inside of Rivendell looks like. Uh, so for the doctor to take like a couple of minutes out of this episode to tell Martha and uh, Jack something that Rose probably never heard. I mean, Rose knew where he was from and whatnot, but uh, at least on camera, we never saw the doctor really share as much of himself as he does with Jack and with mm -hmm. Martha and it was wonderful. I, I I loved the imagery, and I, I mean, I, I love the fact that they they didn't just let him tell it; they actually showed us in in a mm -hmm. in a flashback what you know Gallifrey looked like and what the Citadel looked like. I think it's kind of important because um, by giving us a visual clue of this, then we can say that they're not going to just do it once you know you get this visual tease but they built costumes so what does that mean you know mm -hmm. that's that's something to uh to hold on to as well it's not necessarily going to be revealed anytime soon but they've given us a look at it um and it's a different look than i uh, you know that would have come up years and years and decades ago on, on the show um, where things were very silly looking in the in the seventies. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, there is another thing that I really really liked, and uh, I believe you and I had a whole conversation about uh, how the doctor is the doctor because you know he uses a sonic screwdriver, which is a tool as opposed to a weapon, and the doctor is you know a force mm -hmm. for good. And in here, there's that whole discussion about how uh it brought on you know it, it's a whole uh monologue that the master has where he's like you know i like it when you use my name and and the doctor's like well your name's the master and, and he goes yes <laughs> uh and you chose the 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 person that heals everybody uh, which again, you know, like the doctor makes fun of the master, you know, as like, oh, a psychologist dream or, you know, and then the master makes fun of his name as like, oh, the goody two shoe guy that wants right. to make There's everybody still going to be issues for both of them. You know, their, their personalities are amplified up to 20, not just 11, but all the way to 20. And the master has that sense of like, I'm better than everybody else. I'm the superior person being but he also looked into the abyss he looked into the time vortex and went mad you know um and for the doctor um 
his whole thing is like he's he has that that hero complex he's got to save people even when it's against his own personal better interest he's going to put himself out there and so the name does fit but the name came after the personality was already there you know this wasn't a oh look at the little baby i'm going to call him the doctor it is uh look here's this young man Choosing that's his name. That's what it means. Well, at least the doctor tells us that, you know, kids are chosen at Mm -hmm. age eight for their skills. And of course, as he's having this discussion, again, I am reminded of Star Wars (laughs) and how, you know, the force sensitive (laughs) children, right. Force sensitive children are picked throughout the galaxy, but Anakin was too old, you know, and here's, you know, it's like eight years old. That's when the Time Lords picked these kids. Uh, and it was the untempered schism that he gazed upon, which, according to the doctor, it's a gap in the fabric of reality and it reveals the whole yeah. of the vortex. So this is and correct me if I'm wrong, it is part of what powers the TARDIS, the time Mm -hmm. vortex. Sure. uh, Which, in essence, is part of the power that Rose absorbed uh, on its entirety and and absorbed into her own and turned her into the bad wolf. A god. (laughs) A very benevolent God, a a life giver, as she says, because clearly that is part of what happened to Jack, uh, that he is given this gift or curse yet to be determined. Um, But, you know, she she didn't have full control of it, so she didn't just bring him back to life once. She brought him back to life forever. Uh, And I love how the doctor keeps saying that you're wrong. You yeah, you're are, not something. You're yeah. something that's not yeah. supposed to be. <laughs> um, but so, if this eight-year-old stared into the schism and decided to choose the name the Master, uh, and the Doctor, as an eight-year-old, stared into the schism and chose to be the Doctor, that just shows you their yeah. temperament. Their, you know, the they clearly, uh, and I love the idea that this speaks to uh, varying points of view. That you can look into the heart of time, the vortex. Uh, which I'll ask another question about that in a second. But that you're able to stare at the whole of the vortex and see different things and come away from it thinking mm-hmm. different things. Um, but getting back to that question, I asked this before, uh, and now I ask it in a more poignant way because it ties directly to what was discussed. I've been told that the doctor is able to perceive time differently. Is that because he, the, the, that in essence, that is the power that he gained from that experience because he describes it as, you know, everybody comes away from uh, all these children come away from that experience differently. Some run, some, you know, go mad. Uh, and clearly the doctor was affected in some way, shape or form. But is, is that why he is able to perceive time in a different manner? Or is that just an attribute of being a time Lord? I will venture an opinion. It's not uh, something that I know for sure one way or the other, but I feel like being a time Lord is both a, uh, like you're from Gallifrey, but perhaps you aren't just a, you know, it takes more than just being from Gallifrey to be a time Lord. Perhaps it's the visual or the connection with this vortex that makes you a time Lord. And so all those who bear that title are able to feel the passage of time in a unique way. And could part of that also be the, the, you know, he's described uh, in Blink. He describes time as being very timely, wimbly, wibbly, wobbly, like, timey, wimey, yeah. wibbly, wobbly. That's, yeah. that's the, the actual, uh, you know, that, 
because many times he's described time as something that is not right. Linear, and we discussed that uh, earlier here because the time, the uh, the events. If you're standing outside of it, you can see that the events are not going in order. Right, but it it does it does establish the idea that. Um, while we experience, uh, we meaning human beings and us as viewers of the show, we clearly experience the show in a linear way. It starts in one place and mm -hmm. it ends in another. The time as the doctor deals with it, as the doctor exists in it and jumps around and skips in it, uh, the same event could be happening across time and space so it is not specifically tied to the linearity of space so much as the linearity of somebody's experience right. through it. Exactly. Uh, Good job. You, you so did, you did there well, we go. sir. Excellent. Yeah. There we go. I, I feel like I'm starting to understand uh, the Time Lords. Right. There is, uh, going back to the Doctor, uh, there is a moment that, uh, you know, the, the Doctor is trying to figure out how he's going to one-up best this gentleman that clearly has had more time to set up this trap than the doctor has to figure out how to spring it without getting mm -hmm. caught. And he creates this device uh, utilizing the keys to the mm -hmm. TARDIS. Uh, and to the best of my knowledge, for the first time ever, Jack gets a key to the mm -hmm. TARDIS. Uh, and using the key and this special chip that he installed on them, he's basically able to shift them. Uh, and again, talking about time and space and discussion, it, it's not a cloaking device so much as it shifts people's perspective enough that it makes them almost imperceptible. Yeah. And the way he describes it is in that you know, only the doctor can use this and be so obtuse and, you know, oblivious to what he's saying and how hurtful his words can be sometime that he looks at Martha and enthusiastically says, it's like being in love with somebody, but they don't know you exist. Mm -hmm. And he walks away and Jack acknowledges right, it. Because Jack feels the same way. Jack is in love with the doctor, too. Well, who isn't? Exactly. And that's kind of the point. It's their relationship. This is how these characters can bond together a little bit because they're all in pursuit of the unattainable you know, because the doctor is still in pursuit or mourning the loss of what was unattainable. You know, he denied himself the relationship with Rose. And so in his heart, you know, he's not moving on very well and he doesn't pay attention to those there because he doesn't want to open himself up to get hurt again um and maybe for him it is too soon but you know he's got these two people who would do anything for him who would be happy to walk to the ends of the earth because he asked and they you know they just can go yeah we're in this together we'll never get this guy but we yeah we love him which i i I did love how uh, upset Martha got when she's like, oh, of course she's a blonde. When she finds out that Rose is a blonde, it's like, oh, of course she's a blonde. Uh, in that, you know, in that way that only a person that is not blonde could ever well, truly also, experience. Also, uh, wasn't the, uh, the woman that uh, Martha's father was seeing, wasn't she a blonde um, yeah, I'm Possibly. trying to remember that. It's yeah. been so long, uh, and we definitely don't see her mm -hmm. in this. But so skipping skipping uh, ahead towards the the confrontation, uh, all of a sudden, uh, as as you know, plans tend to go. Uh, you know, best laid plans. Uh, unit mm -hmm. comes in, being helmed by the president of the United yep. States, uh, and unit tries to take over uh and now this is the first time that we've seen unit uh since series two 
and certainly since the the assert uh, the uh, ascension should we say of mm-hmm. torchwood uh so that was a little bit exciting oh, yeah, it's very uh, exciting you know? i mean it gives you an idea that uh um different organizations even if they're doing the same type of work having the same goals in mind they don't communicate with each other at all and so here's unit and the leader of Torchwood is Jack. You know, he's there being the being the yeah. boss. Um, and Torchwood changed from what it was because of Jack, who tried to make it a well, better yeah. place because of the Doctor's influence. That's hey, that's wonderful. In the name of the right. Doctor, yeah, after Canary yeah. Wharf. And so you know, and Unit exists because of the Doctor. Yeah, so all these things mm-hmm. are trying to be there. Like, here's our Earth-based support of all this stuff. But, yeah, you're dealing with uh, some people who are woefully unprepared for everything that the doctor or the master will throw at them, including the late president of the United States in this. Because he didn't make <laughs> uh, right, very well. His short yeah, appearance. Yeah. You think he's tough and bad um, and what? Oh, he's dust. <laughs> And I love the fact that, like, you know, we we get shown the president, they get taken onto this ship, and it turns out to be a helicarrier. Mm-hmm. It's like, where's Sam yeah, Jackson? Yeah. You know? He's finding all the snakes <laughs> on the plane, but no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I half expected, like, Captain America to be like, oh, I get this reference. Yeah. Like, it was like it was a moment out of the Avengers yeah. movie. I, I feel like Joss Whedon needs to, you know, send a, a check to uh, to the BBC. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, yeah, it's a, <laughs> there's a decent chance of that. Also, you know, if it's going to have... Like, where's Captain Britain, another actual Marvel character? Yeah, that was fit <laughs> perfectly for this. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, but then, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the, the president of the United States meets his untimely end on top of the her- helicarrier, and the master once again takes over. Uh, and now he reveals, uh, you know, this tool that you know as soon as he pulls it out i'm like oh, okay so that's you know his version of the sonic right. screwdriver like you know in harry potter everybody has their own unique version of a wand or in you know uh, star wars everybody has a unique version of a lightsaber he has a unique version of a sonic screwdriver and then he tells us it's not a sonic screwdriver it's a genetic manipulation screwdriver because that's serious stuff <laughs> Right, using the technology that our friend the the Lazarus uh, gentleman mm-hmm. developed, right, and combining that with the uh, the doctor's DNA code, which was found in the hand, the the, the chopped hand. off hand, the, the fighting hand. hand. It's a fighting <laughs> hand. Um, so yeah, from the the Christmas episode, uh, the very first Christmas episode, Tennant's first appearance as the doctor. As we recall, that hand being uh, chopped off in that, that battle and uh, regenerating from that. But um, that hand has the DNA of the Doctor. That works. That's. I mean, the, that's another like Star Wars moment mm-hmm. and a half that the Jack produces this hand. And you're like, you got the hand? That's. All right, that's kind of weird. You know, it's like Maz in in the new Star Wars movies. Maz like having Luke's lightsaber, and you're like, the last time we saw that lightsaber, it was falling down a shaft. And we should really uh, wonder what happened to the hand that was with that lightsaber. (laughs) Because if she had that too, that's that's uh, that's one that's one of my favorite uh, memes. You know, and all, all we see is Luke react to the lightsaber, and then you know, cut to credits in the original. And the meme was, you know, um, there was a hand with this. Did yeah. you see the hand? Did you put that back? I'm tired of having, you know, scratching my butt with uh, metal sticks here. It is, it's, it's difficult to use the uh, the restroom here. They don't have the days. Uh, um, but uh, so, of course, you know, he he uses that. He turns the doctor into the hundred year, or he he ages him by a hundred years. Um, which is interesting to see the aging of somebody that 
is supposed to be ageless, but I guess each regeneration Precisely. can have its yeah. own, you know, age. So uh, it, it's interesting to see that that age, uh, and then of course, you know, that lovely villainous way of sort of saying, you know. I, you know, looking down on Earth and like, I am now going to execute my plan, which we can mention. It's very Thanos-like, although a very generous Thanos, because he's like, let's do away with 10% as opposed to the 50% that mm -hmm. Thanos did. Oh, so it's a nice way to start, you know, go small. Build up sure. I mean, like that's a nice even yeah. number as opposed to 50%. I mean... Uh, I guess both have merit. But, well, back to uh, that uh, Christmas know, episode, you know, there's the, the bad guys there were basically just taking everybody of a certain blood type to kill off. So, you know, there's a lot right, of times right. where there's, you know, people, a percentage of people are really not going to have a good day. <laughs> right. Uh, but, you know, there's that moment where he's like, I get to look down and be the master of all. And then it goes to the to be mm -hmm. continued. So here I thought we were going to get a resolution because we've never had a three-parter. Ta-da! And we have a three-parter. Well, why did they give us a final episode of the season that was a standalone episode? <laughs> why would that be a thing? I don't, I don't know because Doctor Who doesn't necessarily adhere to any it sort of formula. those rules that you put in place. And, and clearly this is the case because it's always had two-parters. Now we have a three-parter. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I kind of, yeah, certainly this episode and the final episode of the season are deeply connected. You know, the one prior to this definitely leads into this episode. They're not 100% standalone, but there's such a different flavor to that one all the way up until the very end. And then, you know, when you get, when he, the professor turns into the master, then it becomes a connected episode. <laughs> uh, so uh, again, I've asked you once, can you, can we, can we see you again next yeah, week? Yeah, I think cause uh, really, I don't know who else you're going to be able to follow up me and doing this uh, final episode. <laughs> I mean, that is, again, the crowd, I need you to calm down the crowd, please. Uh, I'm getting too loud. Um, uh, but before we wrap up the show, of course, my favorite part is the TARDIS tidbits. And I am sure Ashley has some really juicy stuff for us this week. So, Ashley, take it away with the TARDIS tidbits. This is Ashley's TARDIS tidbits for Series 3, Episode 12, The Sound of the Drums. So some fans have questioned whether the name Mr. Saxon was an intentional anagram for Master Number 6. However, Russell T. Davies has said it wasn't deliberate, just accidental. In the scene in this episode when the Doctor and the Master are talking to each other on the phone, instead of having the lines fed to them by a script supervisor or someone else off camera, David and John Sim actually did call each other to make the scene more authentic. At one point when the Taclophane are rem removing one-tenth of the population, one of the voices we hear is none other than Mickey Smith. This episode confirms the downfall of Harriet Jones, former Prime Minister, as the Doctor had hinted in the Christmas Invasion in Series 2. In his first Cabinet session, the Master refers to the reconstruction of Downing Street and the Cabinet Rooms, which we know were destroyed in the Series 1 episode, World War III. When Daniel and I talked about the Idiot's Lantern back in Season 2, I mentioned that Magpie Electricals would show up from time to time. Well, here we see it in Martha's television. The master reveals that he was the one responsible for getting Tish, Martha's sister, a job with Professor Lazarus. Daniel and I mentioned that there were some specific symbols that were visible in the main building where Lazarus's project was. This circular symbol is seen throughout that episode, and it's on the master's ring in this episode a hint that he was connected to the Lazarus Project. When the Master is addressing the nation, he opens it with, Britain, Britain, Britain. It's a reference to a popular British comedy called Little Britain, which Tom Baker is the narrator of. Tom Baker played the fourth Doctor. He would open the show by saying, Britain, Britain, Britain. 
Zoe Thorne, who voices the Toclophane in this episode, also was one of the voices of the Gelf in the Series 1 episode, The Unquiet Dead. And finally, when David Tennant is aged 100 years, his makeup was inspired by the first Doctor, William Hartnell. <laughs> oh my God, that's a great... Wow. <laughs> Then, then I, then I knew she like I had a feeling this episode had so much going on that she was just going to that. That's There's amazing. Some stuff that I didn't even know that she brought up. That's cool. <laughs> that always that always happens. The, my expert on the show always goes. I didn't know that. Like I don't know where she gets this information, but uh, maybe she's watching the episodes on Amazon Prime and she has that uh, X-ray. Yeah, that's uh, possible. Or you know, I know when they <laughs> first there was Doctor Who Confidential. When these things were originally aired, they had an extra series that came on after it, and it uh, gave you a whole behind-the-scenes documentary of that episode. And I love that; it was such a good yeah. thing. So maybe she's like looking back at those, doing <laughs> IMDb searches. <laughs> she's got. She's got. I don't know what. I don't know what. Uh, what tap she's got into the Torchwood files, but clearly, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Ashley, for doing that, and thank you so much. Dear listener, for getting all the way through to the end of yet another first time, Lord. Uh, I want to take this moment to thank Eric for joining me again this week. It is my pleasure. And uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to support the show, we've got many ways that you can do so. For starters, go to firsttimelord.com. Check us out. We've got all of our episodes there. You can comment on all of our episodes. If you feel like you want to support the show financially, we've got a merch shop with some pretty cool t-shirts. I happen to be wearing mine today. Um, uh, we also uh, just recently added iPhone cases. So lots, lots of cool stuff. Check it out. Uh, you can also, if you feel like you want to support us financially, but merch is not your thing, you can go to Patreon or you can follow the link on firsttimelord.com to the Patreon site and support us through Patreon that way. Uh, again, financial support is greatly appreciated. There is a cost involved with hosting these episodes, so I would greatly appreciate the support. But most importantly, find somebody in your life that you think, wow, they're this person is exactly like Daniel. He has never seen Doctor Who, but I'm pretty sure he's going to love it. Introduce him to the show. Introduce him to the podcast. And let's share our excitement for Doctor Who together. I am having a blast going through this journey. And I would love to share this journey with a lot of other people and hear what their reactions are. Uh, I think it'd be great. So again, share the episode. Encourage them to then leave comments on the website as well. Like I said, firsttimelord.com will have all of this in there. But as always, any support is greatly appreciated. And I guess there's no time left but to jump back into the TARDIS and uh, find out what happens to the doctor as a hundred year old man. I have a feeling it's not going to be like the 2000 year old man. So let's go check it out. Nothing. You got like no, I nothing. Thought this to, was, to I thought this was, you know, me being quiet while you signed off, and that was it. No, <laughs> oh, no, I, but I thought you were going to add like a clever little one, you know, one liner <laughs> quip. Like, I am the master. You are the student. Oh wait, wrong show. <laughs> Luke, I am the master. That's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> Give me back my hand before Jack picks it up. How can I scratch my butt? (laughs) Yep, that's it. (laughs) 